Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. Just as we spent 40 days preparing for the celebration of the Paschal Mystery, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ, now in the Easter season, we are given 40 days to learn how to live and act as a community of disciples. Oh, I know that the whole Easter season is 50 uh, days, but it is 40 days up to the Ascension, when our Lord, having taught many things to his chosen disciples, ascended to his heavenly Father, but not without giving his great promise that he would be with his disciples until the end of all ages. And from the moment of the Ascension to Pentecost, there are ten days by which the disciples prepared themselves to be empowered for their mission by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of Jesus Christ in its earthly reality is complete. But it's those 40 days when... uh, our Lord was still with his disciples. That is some of the most interesting and most important parts of the gospel story. You may notice that after the resurrection, Jesus does not proceed out into the crowds. He does not go fomenting by public uh, uh, exhortation some kind of social or religious revolution. He rather goes to his chosen disciples, those who were with him from that time of the the moment in Galilee when they started off for Jerusalem. And gathering these chosen disciples around him, Jesus taught them what it means to be a church, that is, a body of Christ, a community of believers continuing the ministerial Uh, authority of Jesus to the whole world, proclaiming his gospel. And the disciples were called upon to learn how to continue to live this presence of Christ and the power of the risen Lord. Now, in these days, and we are well into the Easter season, I hope you noticed the sacred scripture passages that are being read at the Sunday Masses of Easter. The Church has very carefully over the many years, and some of these uh, selections go back uh, almost centuries, very careful selection of scripture readings for the Masses of Easter. There is the Gospel of John. The first reading is taken from Acts and the second reading from the book of Revelation. Now, the very character of these three uh, selections indicate what I call the three critical questions to be confronted with in this Easter season. And the first arises from the passages from the Gospel of John. And it is a question that is raised as we begin to understand more deeply our discipleship and membership in the church and our responsibility to learn how to be a church 
and how to continue that ministry of Christ. And that first question is, who is this Jesus Christ we are to proclaim? Do we know him? The Gospel of John, often considered the most theological of the Gospels, and in fact, in the early Greek uh, church, uh, John the Evangelist was known as John the Theologian. For that gospel is concerned with entering into and understanding the inner reality of the triune God. That Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, was sent among us to reveal God to us, his inner meaning, his purpose, the direction that he has given to our lives. But Jesus also came to reveal to us who we are as human beings. And therefore, as you read the Gospel of John, as we read it as a community on the Sundays of Easter, we become to realize that unity with Christ is the doorway to becoming like God, to understanding our nature as made in the image and likeness of God. And that unity with Christ, as he said on so many occasions, I am one with the Father, just as I am one with these disciples, and they are one with me. And being one with me, they are being united with the innermost reality of God. And in that unity with Christ, in understanding his ministry, we understand that the gifts he offers is light, that we might know what is real and true. Life, that we might understand its power and its call for everlasting nature. Profound love and how it's transforming. And in these gifts, how to recognize that risen Lord as one who is continually with us. In the word that is spoken, in the sacraments that are celebrated, and in the witness given by the members of the church. That is the first critical question asked in our Easter celebration. Do we know who Jesus Christ is? The second comes from our reading of the Acts of the Apostles. And that second question is, how do we live the Christ life in the world in which we live? Now, we call ourselves an apostolic church. Now, of course, on one level, this means that we derive our shape, our form, our life from the apostolic witness and the apostolic authority. But in fact, we are apostolic because the lives of the apostles are a privileged way by which we understand how to live as authentic Christians. And in the Acts of the Apostles, that early life of the church stressed both the interior life of the community and its exterior life as missionaries to the world. And isn't this our twofold responsibility in learning to live the Christ life? The first is, how do we live within our community? What shapes our community? How do we understand ourselves? 
Now, when we say we want to become like the apostles, I'm not suggesting that we try to return to that primitive exterior life that they lived in Palestine. I'm not asking you to wear a tunic or a toga, wear a long beard or wear sandals, uh, although in the 20th century that seemed to have become a little more popular. But it's it's not those exterior uh, details, but what it is is learning how, for example, the disciples related to the world about them, how they dealt within themselves on how to organize the community, how to deal with difficulties, how to, in fact, answer questions that are asked of Christians that did not arise during Jesus' ministry on this earth. No one, for example, asked them the question about whether a person had to become a Jew before he could become a Christian. But this was specifically the question that exercised uh, the church at the very beginning in the argument between Peter and Paul. What is the relationship between the Christian church and the Jewish law? It was quite a hot debate, but the uh, the church did, in fact, convene what is called the, uh, the Council of Jerusalem. It is described in the Acts of the Apostles, in which certain decisions were made. And those decisions were a powerful way by which the church began to expand in the non-Jewish world. But it also made a decision that, in fact, the Jewish uh, tradition, the Jewish witness uh, in sacred scripture was still fundamental to the Christian purpose. And this is what just one uh, example of uh, how, in fact, the church dealt with itself as an interior reality. But in the exterior life, it is interesting to notice how, in fact, the apostles preached to a society that was largely pagan. How did they preach the word? What did they touch? And in fact, you may notice in the preaching of Paul, when he preaches within the synagogues, which he did a lot of in his early career, he preaches Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of all the hopes of the Jewish people. But when he preaches to a Gentile world, which had little grasp of the Jewish tradition. He preaches about Jesus Christ as the one who frees you from darkness and fear, especially the fear of death, or the fear uh, that so many people had when they believed the world was filled with malignant spirits just waiting to trip them up. Paul talks about deliverance, freedom, light, hope in a new sense of dignity. And it's interesting that uh, this, in, in fact, becomes kind of a pattern for the Christian community in giving witness. Know your audience, but remain absolutely free, uh, true and faithful to the gospel of Christ. 
That's the second critical uh, issue that is raised by these readings of Easter. The third is, where are we going? Where are the, uh, where are the Christians supposed to end up? And that's uh, why I think we're reading so abundantly from the book of Revelation as our second reading at Mass. That book of Revelation has given rise to so much speculation and so much anxious uh, reading that uh, its mysterious signs and images not only capture our imagination but create no little anxiety. I'm always touched by the description of John when he talks about a revelation he had and what is revealed as the number of the beast, the number of the uh, Antichrist. And that number is 666. And then John says, and you all know what that means. Well, I'm afraid we don't have a clue, really. There have been many guesses on that, what that means, but the number 666 uh, is just uh, amazing. We have a little road here in the Diocese of Columbus. It's up, I believe, near Zanesville. It's Highway 666. It's called the Devil's Lane. I just, I, I, I love that. I once had the experience of being in a grocery store and as it was being cashed out, my total was 66.66. Now, I don't know how that happened, but the sales uh, person said, would you please buy just a candy bar? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it. Uh, when you look and when you read the whole of the uh, the book of Revelation, it teaches a very profound lesson. First of all, that no matter how things may be uh, happening in the world about us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Be aware that in Jesus Christ, that victory has been won, and been won, and we're called to that victory. And ultimately, no matter what uh, else happens, Jesus Christ will be triumphant. And the book of Revelation is ultimately, no matter whether we penetrate all of the images and the meaning of them and whatnot, it's ultimately a statement of triumph. And it is also a liturgy, an act of worship. Don't we say that blessed are those who are called to the Supper of the Lamb? That Supper of the Lamb, in fact, was uh, so much a part of the marvelous uh, imagery of the book of Revelation. This is where we are uh, to be. This is where we are tending toward with our whole life, and it is life everlasting. Nothing in this world can destroy the meaning of our lives in God and Jesus Christ. So be radiant with joy. Pray constantly for the continuing presence of Jesus among us, that it be recognized. But rest in par profound hope that all manner of things will be well. And in the end, God will be triumphant and we will be part of that living life of love and power forever.